0: God is bringing the nations to us, Amen. Do you see them in your neighborhood? Because I do. Um, we, my wife Savannah and I, are, uh, are missionaries that work among Vietnamese primarily here. Um, Murphy has been had been told to us before we ever moved to Dallas Fort Worth fifteen months ago. When we lived in a rent house in East Plano. Um, we had been told that Murphy was kind of a hot spot. For Southeast Asians and South Asians, that the Vietnamese and the Indians and the Pakistanis were moving uh, here in in great numbers. And um, so we just continued to pray. Um, We have a a list from the Colin Association that that Vince and his ministry provide to us of all the Vietnamese homes that we want in Dallas Fort Worth. And we kept running into just this pocket over here of Vietnamese. And so we just asked the Lord if He would give us a house in this area. And we would do our house search, and we drove our realtor a little crazy at first, but whenever she would give us a new house that we could possibly look into buying or making an offer on, um, then we would run those numbers to see if there were enough Vietnamese in the neighborhood to warrant it. And so we did that. We made seven offers. How many of you have made multiple offers on a house in this area? Anybody? Is it just me? All right, good. Because if it was just me, then maybe it would be my own personal problem. Um, But we made seven offers, and uh, on the seventh house, um, we got we got uh, that we finally had accepted, and it just all rolled through. Finally, we ended up living in a neighborhood that's I don't. It's a subdivision called the Timbers. How many of you have ever heard of the Timbers? All right, Uh, we could almost spit on it. We shouldn't, but I mean, anyway, it's really close right it's across the street and so uh, anyway but we god just opened that up for us we have 75 vietnamese homes on our list in the timbers and so we moved here this past month um and we've been greatly welcomed by folks in murphy and uh, we've already had ministry that we've done we've been doing ministry over in this area Um, I have a Wednesday night ESL Bible group that I lead here at Murphy Road Baptist on Wednesday nights that's just for Vietnamese folks. And we invited folks to that right now. Let's see, I guess we had 12 students there, Savannah Sunday night, um, Wednesday night rather. Um, And we teach English so that we can share the gospel. Because as, as the video pointed out, these folks are coming to us. And the problem that we have is not that we can't reach the nations. They're here. The problem is that they don't know the gospel. They don't even have an understanding of the gospel. They don't know that Jesus is God who became man and that he died on the cross and then he rose from the dead. They have no idea about those points. For them, especially those that are Buddhists, they've just co-opted Jesus. The Buddhists have tried to Buddhacize Jesus, if I can make that a word. Um, and so they have just they've tr- said, oh, he's a wise teacher. And the problem is that if you say that Jesus is a wise teacher and you say that Buddha is the enlightened one, well, their teachings clash So frequently that you can't say that both of those statements are true. And so God has brought us to Dallas-Fort Worth. And of all the places that we could have lived in Dallas-Fort Worth, God has brought us to Murphy, Texas. And so we're very grateful um, for the opportunity to minister here. I'm excited about our group on Wednesday nights. I love it that we do our, our, uh, our ESL time. We're always bringing the scripture in. We're always bringing Bible. We're always bringing gospel in to the class um, because if I teach folks English so that they speak it better in hell, then I will have wasted a great opportunity to share the gospel, amen? I mean, we should help them any way we can. But woe to us if we do not preach the gospel when they come to our classes, to our ministries, to any, any of our outreach events. Woe to us if we don't preach the gospel. And so we're very grateful um, to be here. We have, uh, our ministry is called Pan Asian Outreach. We are self supported. Uh, missionaries we have, uh, which just means churches, individuals uh, support us and allow us to do our ministry. Um, Previous to this, we lived, as Vince mentioned, uh, we lived in Costa Rica and we were missionaries there with the International Mission Board. So we're bilingual, English, Spanish. Um, And then God brought us 10 years ago back to Texas to Port Arthur. How many of you have ever heard of Port Arthur, Texas? It's down on the Gulf Coast near Beaumont, an hour and a half southeast of Houston. And we worked down there. And that's where God put Vietnamese folks on our heart because we had 5,000 Vietnamese down there and it didn't seem like anybody was trying to reach them. And, um, and so I, I went to a bakery for two years and studied with a lady who taught me Vietnamese. I can really only talk about Jesus. So I, I speak, my English is fine for an Arkansan native born. And then my... <laughs> I also have um, Spanish, it's it's locked down and good, and my Vietnamese is good. But if you asked me to talk about fixing a car, I couldn't speak in any of those three languages. Do you know what I'm saying? And so we we have, uh, all I can do in Vietnamese is talk to people about Jesus. I can pray with them. I can do Bible studies um, with them. Um, and so we just we 're excited about folks that we have lost folks who are coming, and we 're talking to them about their need for a savior and so that 's what we 've got to do. The good news is that that none of us live in our, our little in our Christian faith in a bubble that we 've all been greatly and deeply moved along in the kingdom of God. By other people. And so we want to, to facilitate that. My primary disciple is Savannah, my wife. My, primary, my secondary disciples there are Nathaniel and Mason and Lily and our foster son. Um, and so those are the ones that I have to focus on. But God also gives me all these lost people from Vietnam primarily that I get to just share the gospel with. And so that's an awesome thing. If I were to ask you this morning to just make a list and share with everybody. How many people impacted your life by sharing the gospel and then discipling you? I imagine that we would be here for hours and hours, and then Vinod would get mad, and then anyway, somebody would come and drag me physically away because we would be here way, way too long. Because you have had folks that have poured their lives, their souls, their heart into you. I've had that. I mean, I had um, my favorite youth minister. You have a bunch of youth ministers, right? I had I had my favorite youth minister. Um, that's still now, 30 years later, my mentor. I have um, my elementary school music teacher, who, because I grew up in my little dink town in Arkansas, also became my middle school choir director and high school choir director. She's, it was the same person all the time. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, <laughs> it was just a small place. Um, but she also loved Jesus, and so she would always she would point... Me to Christ, and so I greatly appreciated that. I had Sunday school teachers who would put up with all my mess. Good gracious that I talk a lot in their classes and not always about the subject matter, and yet they put up with me and shared more about following Jesus with me. There are several, if not dozens, of people or more your pastors who have invested in this spiritually. The whole growth plan of God's kingdom is that disciples make more disciples. I was talking to, to Rick Walker, our, our new neighbor. Um, and Rick, just yesterday, he was just talking. He'd gone to a funeral service um, for his former pastor's wife growing up in Midland. And he just said she, it was just amazing to go get to that service and to hear so many people talk about how she just always pointed them to Jesus and to his word. It, it, it bubbles up in us. We, we, we find ourselves being grateful. We find ourselves being thankful um, because so many folks have contributed to us knowing Jesus, understanding His Word, understanding His plan for our lives. And so we praise God for that because those are our disciples, our parents, if they're believers. And yet, with that awesome blessing that we have, we also have this tremendous responsibility then to go and make disciples of others. And that's been God's plan from the beginning. Um, today, we're going to look at Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 28. No, oh, no, you're yeah, you're fine. you're fine. All right, all right, thanks. All right, thanks, Paul. Acts chapter eighteen, verses twenty four through twenty eight. This is a plan of discipleship for the nations. It's a plan of discipleship in the Bible. It's not the only place where we see discipleship going on, obviously in the scriptures. But this is a really good one, and I think it's pretty succinct, and it and lays a lot of things that we can take away today uh, out for us. But. Um, Acts chapter eighteen verses twenty four through twenty eight says this. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus, and he was an eloquent man, competent in the Scriptures. That he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. We have folks all around us in our area, in our neighborhoods, in our jobs. And and we just um, and so today I think if we can just look at the life of Priscilla and Aquila and see what they did with Apollos uh, this this guy who was causing a little bit of a problem because he was so bold and eloquent and he was so passionate about the Old Testament way of of life um, and yet they we can see here how they engaged him the the folks that come to our area our Buddhist friends they don't know Jesus they bar- they barely know about him they. Um, they, a lot of them now, because they've come become Americans, they'll give Christmas presents to their kids at Christmas, and yet they have no idea what the Christmas story is. And so, I have the great honor and privilege and responsibility, and you do too, if they're your neighbors, of being able to share with them some of the gospel. And that's what Priscilla and Aquila did with the, with, with Apollos. The the first thing I want us to note uh, this morning from the scripture that we should take into account is that we need to find people in whom God is already working. Find people in whom God is already working. Apollos already knew a lot. It says here that he was well trained. He was catecho. He'd been catechized or had gone catechism. He'd been taught in the Old Testament, and uh, and he was actually dunatos or dinatos. He was dynamite uh, in his in the writings and scriptures. He he was powerful in sharing about the Old Testament. And so this is someone where he already had a whole lot of understanding of who God was and what God had done in his covenant people, Israel. And yet he did not know Jesus. His knowledge did include, he even knew about the baptism for repentance that John the Baptist had come and preached about. He knew up to that point, and yet he did not know Jesus. We work with our Vietnamese Buddhists, and I find a great number of them. When I talk to them, I'll ask them, and I'll say, Do you believe the Aung Cho? Call Matt. Um, Which is, do you believe the creator God has eyes? Because that is a saying that they have in their culture. Mr. Heaven has eyes. Okay, call Matt. They believe that there's a creator God who sees all things. Now, they don't know him, but they have this belief in him. Does that make it easier for me to share the gospel with those folks? That at least they have this foundational belief. I would have folks, whenever I was sharing... Uh, and, and, and I, I had a, a guy that came to me, he's like, you know, you follow Jesus, and I follow Buddha, but we both worship the same God, and I thought he was just telling me all roads lead to the same place, which is not true with text dot anywhere in, in the state of Texas, and, and the, all right? All roads go where they're supposed to go. Anyway, all right, um, but... But whenever I heard that, that's when I, I just had to realize, okay, he's not saying all roads lead to the same place, which is more of a kind of a Hindu idea. He's saying that he believes that he's getting to the creator God through Buddha and that I'm getting to the creator God through Jesus. And so from there, we were able to have conversation and better conversation um, because he already had some of that going. Um, we have um, Henry, Henry Blackaby, 25 years ago or more, um, had experiencing God. And he told us to find where God is moving Anybody remember? And go there. That's right. Join him there. But Henry Blackaby didn't invent that either. It's great. Good job, Henry Blackaby. But he didn't invent that either. That's here in God's word that we are supposed to find where God's moving and join him there. So when we share the gospel with someone, we should share the gospel with everybody. And yet when we find folks that are receptive, then those are the people that we need to focus our time on. It's not always the people that we most want to see saved. And that's what is frustrating for us. Um, in, in Acts chapter 10, we hit, read about Cornelius. Now, here's where he was before knowing Jesus. In Acts 10 2, it says that he was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and he prayed continually to God. So he already had this going for him. I mean, this is quite a bit, especially for a Roman centurion who is well on his way to being a converted Jew although he was Roman by birth. And so, but God was already moving in his life and as a result later when he hears the gospel, then it's easy. I mean, just God opens his heart right up and he's able to be saved. Um, We have seen that uh, in the lives of some of our disciples. I have a disciple named Louis. I'm sorry, I have a friend named Louis. Louis is my friend that I call Louis the Lost Buddhist. He's Vietnamese uh, and Japanese. And um, he... Uh, I did Bible studies with him for three years. And he has not yet, to this day now, trusted in Christ. Because he made deathbed promises to his parents that he would never stop taking care of their spirits in ancestor worship. And so he's helped me with different things. He's gone. He's cooked for me at, at outreach barbecues, and, and he, he's my friend. And I've told him that I'm his friend for forever, regardless of whether or not he trusts in Jesus, he. But he also will tell Christians that he meets when a, that he's the infidel because he's not a Christian. But he could explain to you the gospel. I cannot save Lewis. Would I do that if I could? Absolutely. He's my friend and my heart breaks for him. But I and you and I are both, uh, the statistics say that we're able to save about 0% of folks that we share the gospel with. who can save Lewis? Only Jesus. And so until Jesus opens his heart, then he will not be saved. And so that's why I continue to pray for Lewis, even though he he and I live, uh, we're we're separated by some distance. Now we contrast that um, with our disciple Tree in Port Arthur. Um, Tree is a guy um, who grew up in a Buddhist family, uh, but when he was I guess in the late 40s, he, had, he was in a car accident, a terrible car accident, uh, and he almost died. And he said, he told me later, 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 after we'd studied together for more than a year, he told me, he's like, do you know why I have studied the Bible with you and, and become a Christian? And I said, why? He said, when I had my car accident, he said, and I, I, you know, flatlined or whatever, he said, whenever I came to in my hotel room, I mean, in my hospital room, rather, um, he said, I, there was someone who came and stood beside me and put his hand on me, and and it was Jesus. Now, that weirds us out because we're American culture people, and we're just like, all right, whatever. But God used that. Whenever we came by later, whenever his sister had become a Christian and asked if we wanted to do Bible study, Tree didn't know Jesus yet, but he just had a really... I mean, he had a very sincere interest in knowing more about Jesus because God had touched him in this way. Does that make sense? And so it was not hard for us to lead tree to Christ. Yes, it took more than a year, but he was just already trying to read the, you know, he studied the Bible with us and started trying to put it into practice even before he knew that he needed to trust in Christ because he knew that Jesus was important because Jesus had revealed himself to him in some way, in some way powerful way and so the, the difference there we have our, a disciple named Vu our, our, our disciple um, Khan uh, is a 23 year old guy who's now in charge of our Vietnamese outreach ministry in Port Arthur um, and, and so Khan led this kid to Christ uh, named Vu and uh, Vu was, had a lot of persecution from his Buddhist parents whenever he told them that he had become a Christian he was absolutely shocked by his parents resistance to his faith because hey I mean just see what God had done here a, he was born on Christmas Day, December 25th. Who doesn't become Christians who are all born? Anyway, I don't. Know. Uh, Vu had been born on Christmas Day. Um, he also uh, His parents had taken him every week, during every summer, to vacation Bible schools to use as a form of child care. I know you don't do that, but I've heard of other people. Other people who do that. Other churches. Not this church, and so um, that you know. So Vu was there. He's like, we we lived behind a church facility. He's like, you raised me I'm in the backyard of a church, and so when he came to faith as a high school junior, he's like, he was so mad at his parents. He was like, how can you be so surprised when God's already done these things? Born on December twenty fifth, taken to every vacation Bible school in Port Arthur, Texas, and then grew up right behind a church. And so he was just stunned because he saw that as God calling him out. Did God use that crazy stuff? Absolutely. And he does that because God works. And so we can look and focus and find people in whom God is already working. And that's a big part of our ministry. We will use local churches to go visit massive numbers of homes. And I tell everybody, we just want to use you as a filter because we can't find everybody. We can't get to everybody. There are 100,000 Vietnamese in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. And Murphy itself is 20% Vietnamese. All right? Now, I, I have gotten to a whole lot of Vietnamese houses in Murphy. I can't get to everybody in Richardson and Plano and, and Fort Worth and Arlington. I can't do that. Um, but so we... Just, we Try to just do training with folks so that they can share the gospel with folks and not feel so frightened of the people that are in their neighborhood. Um, But we are looking. We use all that to share the gospel, to help people know better about Jesus before they get to know Jesus. But we are using our mission teams and our local churches to mobilize to help us as a filter so that we can find of all the people that are out there the ones in whom God is already working. It's a good idea. It's hard because you've got, let's say, your sister who's never trusted in Christ and it breaks your heart. Your grown sister and she hasn't. And, and so you've shared with, and I know this happens with folks. You've shared the gospel with her, uh, you know, a hundred times. And she hasn't come to faith. And yet maybe there's somebody else in your family. Your second cousin or something. And, and God's already working in them. And so we've just got to share the gospel with everybody, everybody. And uh, and then just, and, and leave the results up to him. Um, this the second thing we need to do with discipling the nations, and this is what Priscilla and Aquila do here, is that we need to lead them to the full knowledge of Christ. Lead them to the full knowledge of Christ. It says that he was, He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. I love that description. I think that's beautiful. Can you use that? I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? I I mean, just think about somebody you know that believes in God but doesn't know Jesus. Maybe they're a cultural Christian. Maybe they go to a church that doesn't teach the Bible enough. And yet they have some belief in God or they believe in the Trinity, whatever, something. But whenever Priscilla and Aquila found Apollos, they didn't just run away from him because he's just breathing fire about the Old Testament and the repentance uh, that John had taught uh, in in the New Testament. Um, They saw this and they were excited that this guy had this passion and this knowledge. And so it just says that they came alongside him and taught him the way of God more accurately. I think that's just a very gentle way of thinking about sharing with folks that don't yet know Jesus. Just come alongside them, live life alongside them and teach them the way of God more accurately. We have our, we have neighbors. Um, we, we had a picnic this month. Um, we invited Vietnamese families in our neighborhood to the Timbers Nature Reserve Park that's under renovation. But we invited them to that. We had a bilingual English-Vietnamese flyer that we took to houses, and we had a picnic, and we had 25 people show up to the picnic. I know. Que bueno. All right. Obrigado, Dios. Yeah, right? And so... Sorry. We really... um, Whenever we have the opportunity uh, it, for some of them. I think it was, there was a bit of, you know, why are we getting this from these new people? And why is, you know, why is this guy named Bun? That's my Vietnamese name. Why is this guy named Bun? And is he white? Because his wife is Savannah Sorrel. You know, anyway. Uh, but whenever they were looking at the flyers, some of them just came for curiosity. Some came because we offered free Vietnamese food and free chicken express for the kids and stuff. And so, um, but whenever we invited them, they showed up. And we just had a great time and we just hung out and we just, we got to know them. We got to find out, uh, you know, their specific, you know, addresses and contact information. And we've already been in some of their homes. They just invited us into their houses. And now, and, and with very soon, when we have less than 150 boxes still in all of our rooms in our house, we are going to invite them into our house as well. Um, and so it's just, you know, we're going to live life with them. And, um, and so this is something we've been very excited about. We have um, just the opportunity to just live in community in a neighborhood and, and let everybody know. I mean, I want to be known as the Jesus guy. I've got friends in Port Arthur that refer to me as the Jesus guy, some who became Christians and some who haven't yet. But just for, you know, for, I want to, and you can be. Do you know that you can be somebody's Jesus guy, girl, expert? You can be somebody's Jesus expert. That's because you know infinity more than they know if they, if they aren't already Christians. You know everything that you need to know, and just to be able to share about Jesus with them. Just point everybody to Jesus. I study about Buddhism. I take uh, churches and folks to do training. We go prayer walking at Buddhist temples where we pray to Jesus about the Buddhists. Don't get those two confused, all right? But we, whenever we. Pray for those people. We're praying that God will open up their eyes. And I want folks to understand more about Buddhism. I want Christians to understand more about Buddhism. But you don't have to know anything about Buddhism to share Jesus with a lost Buddhist. Do you know what I'm saying? Just point people to Christ. Proclaim the excellencies of Christ. Compare Jesus and Buddha. You know, Jesus claimed to be God. Buddha said he was absolutely not God. Jesus died on the cross to pay for sins. Buddha died of food poisoning from eating bad mushrooms. Who, that is an enlightened being, would choose to go out that way? That person doesn't exist. So we go to them humbly and we lead them to the full knowledge of Christ. My friend C um, first heard about Jesus. Um, after he had left Vietnam, he'd gone to Hong Kong. He was in a refugee camp and he heard the gospel in Vietnamese for the first time for a radio broadcast that was being sent. Um, and so he heard about Jesus and he started thinking maybe that Jesus was the way to go. And so um, he ends up, moves to Port Arthur, Texas, where the only Christian church there was a, a Vietnamese Catholic church. And so he started going to that church. Um, five, six years ago, I, uh, we had a mission team visit him and they came back and they said he was a good contact. And so I followed up with him. He was a really good contact. He was super open. Um, he wasn't a believer yet. Um, but he, he, uh, he didn't know Jesus. He didn't know that he needed to, to have a personal relationship with Jesus, but he was believing a lot of good and true things about Jesus. And so, um, whenever I first went to visit him, his wife was there and was totally resistant to doing Bible studies in the home. Um, and so she would shoot anything down that we tried to come up with. And so then a few years later, um, I, I would just, I would continue to go back in there anytime I needed Because he has an alteration shop in his house. And I would just drop in on him sometimes. And then eventually one day I dropped by and he just started crying to me. Because he and his wife were having massive marital problems that would eventually lead to their divorce. But once his wife, who's just evil... I had to learn Vietnamese words to describe how evil she is. Um, all right. Lang Ngoi Ak means evil person. And um, anyway, but she uh, had, him kicked, had him served with notice to be kicked out of his own home um, so that she could have, you know, the house with the kids and all this stuff. Anyway, but so the next time I met with C, um, he just said, well, now we can study whenever we want. And so C has since become a Christian And uh, we're excited about him and and his discipleship. And yet God had been working in him for a long time. And so it was not terribly hard for us to lead him to full knowledge of Christ. Um, The final challenge, I think, for us this morning um, is for us to then, number three, send them out to share the gospel with their own people. Now, Paulus is, is referenced in this passage here, um, and he was used mightily by God in part because of his background. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, there's even division among the church because some claimed allegiance to Paul and others to whom? To Apollos. I mean, that's a heavy hitter in the early church. If you've got a church that's trying to split over half, or in Corinth, half are going to go with Paul and half are going to go with, uh, with Apollos. Um, but Paul reminded them that neither one of those guys deserved the credit for their faith because it is God who gives the increase. We've got to send folks out to share the gospel with their own people. Um, Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 37, you can write it down and read it later. But this tells us the story of the demoniac who used to cut himself with rocks and run around naked, remember? Mm-hmm. And scared everybody. But when Jesus healed and saved him, verse 38 and 39 said, The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might go with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home um, and declare how much the Lord has done for you. And he started E.E. and then he passed his ordination council. That's not what it says, is it? Let me check that again. It says, and he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. I've told you a little bit about Khan. Khan started with us uh, when he was 16. Um, he came to faith uh, from, from an ancestor-worshiping family. He came to faith through our Bible studies. Um, and then over the, over the next few years, I just poured into him, discipled him. Um, I baptized him. And then after I baptized Khan, I didn't baptize anybody else because Khan started baptizing the people. Because Khan's a whole lot more Vietnamese than I am. And so now, and I've noticed that Khan working in Port Arthur, I mean, again, in Port Arthur, we, we visited all the homes. We were able to do that with, you know, a thousand Vietnamese homes in the area. Um, and so during the year, we would do that. Um, and I get to have good porch talks with folks there. And I'm here, but, we're, but Khan easily in Port Arthur gets invited inside the house. Whereas in Port Arthur, by the time we were done, Con was getting invited inside the house. If I was going by myself, I was getting left on the porch. You know what I'm saying? And so we're very grateful that we've already been invited into homes in Murphy. Um, but the whole idea of discipling the nations is that we share the gospel with, the, with folks in whom God's already working. Um, and then we, we lead them to a full knowledge of Jesus and the gospel. And then we set them loose to go and work among their own People. And so we are praying that God, even now, folks who are coming to our little Bible study group that we have on Wednesday nights here, that God will save Chung and me um, and Lynn and, and just, we have, like say, 11 or 12 folks that are there. We want God to save them, and I want God to raise up leaders out of that group that I can train to evangelize their own people. So that's a big part of who we are in our ministry Khan came because our disciple V led us to our disciple Tammy, and Tammy annoyed Kahn with the gospel. She would talk to him in school every day and invite him to a Bible study, and she did it for months until finally she said, he said he was really not open, not interested. He, she said, if you'll come this one time, I will never ask you again. And that was the deal that Khan was looking for. So, Khan came to our Bible study, and within a month and a half, he was a believer, and we baptized him. Gotcha. Anyway, so anyway, it's, I and mean, that's just how God works, all right? And now Khan has disciples. The kingdom keeps growing, and so we're excited about that. 2 um, Timothy 2 2 says, What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And that people have poured into you. So the question is, whom are you discipling? With whom are you sharing the gospel? Let me pray. God, I just thank you so much for our friends here at Murphy Road. I thank you just for the the lighthouse that this church is. God, I just ask that you would just um, grow your kingdom here, that you bless Pastor Lash and Um, that you just uh, bless uh, all all the ministers here, God, who have just such a heart for you and for the nations. We thank you that you're bringing the nations to our our back door, that they are here in our neighborhoods, um, that we have folks uh, that are from Pakistan where we could just not go as as gospel-bearing missionaries, and yet those folks are moving into our neighborhoods, and, and they expect for us to share the gospel with them just because we're Christians, because we're Americans, they think. And so... God, we just ask um, that you just give us more opportunities. That you give us more lost people that we can pour your gospel and your word in our life. Into, I pray that you will just uh, multiply your kingdom. We ask for more laborers into the harvest field. I pray that you'll raise up laborers out of our our Bible students right now, who aren't so many of whom aren't even Christians yet. We just ask that you would raise up laborers, uh, pastors, and we pray for translators and. God, we just ask that you just explode your kingdom here, that we would see pe- church, the church meeting in houses and the church meeting in businesses. And God, just uh, that you just expand the, the boundaries of, of your reign because we know that that is what you love to do for your glory. Just help us to know what you want us to do. Help us to return, be a good return on our investment as, as dozens of folks have poured into our lives to make us disciples. Help us to return that. To, to turn that back over to you by discipling dozens and hundreds more. And we pray um, that if anybody doesn't know you this morning, that you'll just speak to their heart and that you'll call them to yourself and you'll save them because we know that you're the only one who can do that. And we praise you for that. And we pray these things in Jesus' holy and powerful name. Amen.